back, my friends, to the show that never ends. That means the regeneration broadcast. And if you can name that, name that tune, please drop it in the in the comments. Uh, Mike, I, I don't know. Today? I'm doing fine. I'm trying to name that tune. Welcome to the show that Welcome never ends. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. The show that never ends. Kind of a uh, yeah. like um, like speed metal. Uh, am no. I in the right genre? Okay. No. Poser okay. metal. Okay. No, not metal at all, actually. So we'll we'll see what <laughs> maybe maybe Dave and Louise know. But uh so here I have every every show starts with the story, and I got a million stories, right? So one story is goes back to 1989 in the summer when I was visiting Dublin. And it was actually, it was a great trip. I mean, I was actually, it was not just a visit to Dublin. It was a visit to the ancestral homeland. And I even went to the, to the church where my grandfather was, was uh, baptized to, to, fill, to fill, finish uh, his baptismal record, the record of his, his, his death. And that was in Carrick on Shannon. Uh, but I, I spent about, I don't know, four days in Dublin. And one of the days I spent in Dublin was uh, a Saturday and probably most listeners don't know this unless they're from Ireland, that the place to go on Saturday in Dublin, at least in 1989, was Grafton Street. Because yeah. it was a cool thing. And when there was so much going on and there were buskers all over the place. We were probably there. Wonderful buskers. Yeah. Was that it? We were probably there hanging out as teenagers. Well, that's where I was yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. 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 Outside these... HMV. Yeah. Just so Robert was... Smith from The Cure. I was in my late <laughs> 20s at the time. And there was this group of kids, and they were probably, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe seven or eight of them. It's and they definitely were you, water though. Boys. It's definitely you. Yeah. They were playing yeah, water, yeah. Boys things. water boys. Water boys. Oh, they were cool. fans. Oh, I wonder who was that. Yeah, Might have been Glenn Glenn Oh, they were playing the water play, boys. They were yeah, playing yeah. water boys tunes. They played. Remember, they did Fisherman's Blues, and they also did the water bait, water boys version of Sweet Thing. Yeah, it, it could have been the Frames and Glen Hansard. They used to busk around that time, didn't they? And so did I, though. Oh, you did actually. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what I was thinking. Well, of the yeah. Day, yeah. 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 I know we definitely. I know that we played uh, Fisherman's Blues, though. It could have been. Michael, say, say a few more details. Maybe we'll find out that it was. Well, definitely I was totally into these kids. They're all, you know, yeah, yeah. it was. You know, so they all had the requisite Paisley shirts and fisherman caps. Oh, okay. Dave, Dave. You? I was, no, I wasn't. I, I had a Paisley shirt. I didn't have a fisherman's cap. No. As far as I remember. I don't know, I do if, now I don't know if the kids several. singing. I, mean, I don't know. There was, they, don't, they weren't all wearing the caps, but there was one kid I remember in particular wearing the cap. Okay. But it was a, <laughs> it was a cool thing. And I also, that was <laughs> part of that story. That was also uh, the only black person I saw in my whole trip to Ireland was was busking as well. And he did this really great version of Scarborough Fair. Yeah. Do you know he still is busking? Yeah. Is he? I know, that guy. I know the guy you're talking about. Yeah, it was he great. Was and I, I, I tried <laughs> yeah. for years to, to recapture whatever his arrangement was because it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, and there, that's the first story. So maybe it was you. That's a good that one because they had know, two connections. Goes a back. lot of people busked. A lot of people played Fisherman's Blues. I don't remember Sweet Thing, the Van Morrison tune. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember playing that, but maybe it was a long time ago. Obviously, it was a long time ago. It was thirty-four years ago. Right? Yes. Yeah. Well, do you know what? 
yeah. Were you even alive, Dave? Were you? No, I was. Yeah, very much alive. But uh, I wonder what was busking. Anyway, look, sure. I guess it doesn't matter. So yeah, it's but still, it's uh, I mean, it's 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 a wonderful experience because that's what we're here to talk about in a way. And now, those of you uh, listeners, we're we're here today to interview Louise and and Dave Holden of the really fine band I Draw Slow. And I discovered I Draw Slow, as I discover most music, through my wife. And she's oh. a giant fan, and she told me I can't embarrass, you know, her. <laughs> so, so Bonnie, I'm trying my best. So trying my best how did, here. How did Bonnie discover them, Michael? Well, you know what? Through our whole marriage, we've been married over 30 years now, and she likes to listen to music while she's cooking. Okay. And so, yeah. but years ago, it was listening to CDs. And that's how I discovered somebody who's one of my best friends now, Therese Schroeder Schieker. Bonnie was listening to a CD and Therese shows up and I said, that's a beautiful song. Then years later, I, I get, she gets a hold of me and we become friends. Um, mm-hmm. But so this is maybe three or four years ago. She was listening to something. And I'm always, usually when she's cooking, I'm in my office writing or whatever. And I heard something she was listening to, and I get up and I go, and what's that? And she said, "Yeah, the guy plays like you, doesn't he?" And it was, uh, it was the I draw slow tune, uh, my portion, huh. which mm-hmm. is a lovely song, and which which it drew me in. And then I started, I got to see more about these guys. What else do they do? And so I started digging deeper into the catalog, and then I'd go from, "Well, that's my favorite song." No. I think Swans is my favorite song. No, Swans is not my favorite song. Well, it is my favorite song, but I like this one too. And I kept going through all these tunes you guys do. And it's just, what you do is, is so, and I have to, and I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a songwriter and musician from the time I was a teenager. And even though I left the music business when I was 26, they keep pulling me back in, right? <laughs> so I always end up doing sessions or joining a band for a little while. Um, but I'm acutely in, interested in, even though I, when I started out in the music business, I was basically, we were, we were a cross between Alice Cooper and the MC5, you know, Oops. but I've always been, I've always had this folk music, folk rock kind of core to what I, what I think is music, right? And so when I hear music like that, you know, I'm really, it's, it's, it's intriguing to me and it's, it, to me, it's the most alive kind of music. And what I found in your music is this not only great musicianship, and you can tell and th- that the five of you have been playing together for a while. I mean, the, the music is so tight and so well well arranged and, and, and you know, great musicianship and just and very tasteful. No, nobody ever overdoes it, which I you know, which is the problem I found with playing fiddle players. They always wanted Thank to you. be Jean-Luc Ponty in the middle of a, of a folk tune. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but it's gorgeous and and I'm really I think when I've been meditating on your music this week I think what's really striking to me is two things in particular even above the musicianship is the lyrics which are often are so poetic and I'm you know doctor of uh, I'm, a, I'm a doctor in English literature so I know what I'm talking about uh, so poetic and so beautiful and the the melodies are so inventive I mean your melodies you know it seems like you, there's like one foot in a kind of a traditional idiom, but you take you take these flights into places where I never expected to go, and I and I'm like, 
this is this just this just went to 11 right here so <laughs> it really did i mean so welcome to the show david i'm very happy we're here now <laughs> <laughs> exactly. i was feeling pretty bad about myself about 10 minutes ago but I... that's right that's, 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 why, yeah. that's why god put me on the planet but okay, anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. so and now you are a brother and sister so I wonder if you could start off by telling us in kind of your musical journey, right? I told you a little bit of mine, but I'd like to hear yours. How'd you get to here from, from wherever you began? Um, it was circuitous for sure, because we started out, well, no, we probably come full circle. Dave and I, when we were very young, like teenagers, we used to kind of write together a bit. And Dave was always a big fan of folk music from quite early and was listening to Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and so on. Um, I was more into The Cure and The Smiths and, you know, um, not quite so folky, but he brought me around and we were writing in that genre. But then we went on a whole other tiff where we got into funk and jazz and soul. And uh, we were we had a band for a number of years called Tabula Rasa, which was acid jazz, which you might remember was very big in the 90s. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of it. That's great. <laughs> it, it, it was in in Europe. I don't know if it was big okay. in America. Yeah, you know? It was underground in America for sure. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was very big over here. So yeah, that was our thing. And then what happened then, Dan? We uh, what happened then? So we went. We we kind of stayed on that for years. And we were playing that kind of music, and then I went to Australia traveling, and uh, I busked over there for a good bit. And while I was busking, I uh, while I was over there, I met a guy who played the banjo. And I started busking with him because I was just interested. Never, I'd never heard it played like that before. We'd have kind of Irish tenor banjo over here, but more like, you know, the Dubliners and stuff like that. Yeah. Jerry O'Connor and people. But but I'd never heard the kind of five-string banjo played. And I just thought it was fairly fascinating. But like I said, I found it kind of funny, more funny <laughs> at the time than, uh, than actually, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, artistically interesting, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. But anyway, he kind of took me under his wing and we started busking for, for, for a good few months. And then when I came back, um, I was kind of like got a few other people because I was playing in a few different bands and we started doing that. And then so we started this other band that we we're playing, which is kind of playing traditional bluegrass and no time and Cajun and stuff like that. And so then um, slowly myself and my sister started writing in, in that kind of idiom because we just... Well, especially one of the things, uh, just like you were talking about earlier, um, from years in uh, kind of jazz, funk bands and all that kind of thing, where it was basically about how many chords you could fit in the song rather than whether mm -hmm. they worked. I kind of sort of reacted against that because it was I realized that it was just it was never the music I was listening to, you know. And then when you go back to uh, when you when you realize what you're listening to, you know, most of most of the time it's three chords and it's the same three chords. Uh, and we started writing that and, you know, like the idea of storytelling, you know, like the idea of, you know, just keeping it simple, but very much like you say, kind of traditional, but then with a kind of a sensibility of, of, of kind of modern as well and trying to get the music to do different things with those instruments. That was kind of a, that's that's where we are now. So I dress has been going probably for about 15 years now. Really? Mm -hmm. Which is yeah. not that long, given that, you know. 50 yeah so we did we, we we did move around a fair bit before we landed on i draw slow um and i think having worked in jazz and sung in jazz 
and 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 funk and soul. Um, it ha it does inform what we do now. It might not be that obvious, but it, it for for me it is. It's in there, you know. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know. So I've in my my blog um, when I switched from my from doing a blog to doing Substack. One of my readers said, I hope you, you can still share all those book channels you know, I share because I don't know if Substack will let you do that way they, they do. And, and uh, so what, <clears throat> as far as the music you're playing now, what were, what were your influences? I mean, I, I have guesses at your influences, but what, what, what were they? Because, you know, I, I, with, with my, my own experience, right? So. Sometimes it was not for years later that I realized who was really influencing me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, completely. It, it can take a while and you don't notice it at the time. Sometimes because if you're listening to something all the time and, you know, um, we, we, we write in kind of patches. So, you know, we're, so we're at this stage uh, from doing it, you know, we just, we released our fifth album there. Uh, last September and uh, that was one of those you know pandemic albums and we put a lot into it because we weren't doing anything else you know what I mean and it's not that I we don't know. but we, we kind of went to the studio and we we were putting loads of different creative creative ideas and all this kind of thing and like um, we're now in the we, we just started writing again really in the last couple of weeks um, we were we kind of just decided you know because we realized that what's always kind of slightly makes us happy is when we're doing that kind of thing and you don't realize until you're not doing it that that, that yeah. is that that's kind of the whole point um and whatever you're listening to at that time yeah it's going to influence sure it's just there and you don't even really notice it i mean there are times when people have pointed things out um uh i remember a song that we did uh it was same old same old, same old dress yeah yeah and afterwards, I remember someone came up to me, we were playing at a gig years later, and I hadn't listened. Someone came up afterwards and said to me, going, are you listening to a lot of Elliot Smith right now? And I was going, no, but I was yeah. about huh. a year ago. And I, you know what I mean? And I, then it goes, like, oh, yeah, OK, maybe. Yeah, you know what I mean? in, yeah. It does. It, those kind of things filter in without you even noticing. Mm -hmm. So I guess, that, you know, for the last, you know, we've always been uh, influenced you know, when we started off, we're, we're always kind of keen. It's funny because we're trying to get back to the same blueprint. But when we started off, we were kind of like, um, you know, we wanted to write like Simon and Garfunkel if they were like an old time band. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. they were like an old time. Fit. We're like, well, how come nobody does that? It's yeah. funny. There's, there's quite a lot of them. Now. Not a lot of them, but people who yeah. follow that kind of Simon. Well, kind of, yeah, Mill Carton kids and yeah, that kind of brothers and that kind duo of duo. Yeah. Kind of yeah. 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 Um, and we kind of started to do that. And then we, uh, as we were getting into, you know, we, we were kind of listening to, to bluegrass and stuff and then we went more towards the kind of old time and the fiddle and the traditional stuff and the kind of Appalachian stuff. And we started to become friends with people like Dirk Powell and the Foghorn String Band and all yeah. that kind of stuff who, who, who visit Ireland quite a lot. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, they're all over here next week, this week. And um, we got quite influenced by their sound, just that very, very traditional five people. We were kind of like, you know, if you listen to that kind of music, five people sitting down around one mic, which was how we recorded the first couple of albums mm -hmm. and, you know, playing old time, but with but with songs, you know, and then songs would that would kind of go off in interesting uh, directions. So, I mean, the influences have always been that kind of appellation to a point 
but it was more we were a bit more uh, um, stringent is that the word about it at the start regimented that it was it had to be old time and then we'd go like this whereas now we're more we, we've kind of evolved and you know it, I suppose what's interesting over the years is that we've evolved into this thing and we don't we I, I don't know if we're the best people to tell you what it is because it's <laughs> yeah. just what we do now we can't, right, we, can't right, right. Really, we write a bunch of songs uh, that are whatever we're listening to huh. and then but we do happen to have a banjo and a fiddle and a and a guitar and two voices and a double bass and that's just kind of the way it is uh, but I mean for the last album we were listening to like you know Ethiopian music uh, that, yeah. and and like loads of Ravel remember that was a yeah. big thing loads of uh, Love you know that band Love Forever Changes that album and loads of you know we, we for the last album we were, we were kind of like we want to make an album that sounds kind of like 60s yeah you know that kind of 60s pop but with folk that kind of that was that was our plan with that right. you know? and, and I saw one of the one of the reviews I saw of that they were comparing and, and the album is is self-titled right it's it's I draw the album, <clears throat> uh, and but I heard, saw somebody uh, comparing it to the Laurel Canyon kind kinds of yeah. stuff, right? Which I mm. see that. I mean, that's you know, did you? I don't know if you saw that documentary they made about that. I did. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah and my wife and I watched it. It was like, wow, this is all the bands we love when we were kids. <laughs> what was the yeah, documentary? What was the title, Michael? Oh, uh, you know, uh, it was band, you know, like Joni Mitchell and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and that whole scene. Yeah, it's done by Bob Dylan's son, wasn't it? Right. But what was what was the name of the documentary? Oh, it, it was it was Bob Dylan's son did it. I think. Oh, okay. Bob Dylan's son. Okay, yeah. I can look it up. Jacob yeah. Okay. Dylan, I thought Tom you said Petty's Bob Dylan's song. Jacob okay. Dylan. Yeah. 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 Tom Petty's uh, in it before he died. You know, playing the. Playing okay, again, like you guys thing. said, you guys said that you know you don't often know what other people are hearing. You're all musicians. Yeah. I'm. I'm not. My wife's a piano teacher. I listen to okay. a fair amount of music, but not mm -hmm. even a. But uh, so. You know, Michael mentioned the self-titled album. The reviewers, I listened to a lot of you guys this week, but the reviewers, uh, to echo what Michael said, it's so funny that to an outsider, they're saying you can listen to a whole show and they might not make a mistake. You know, so when they're saying you guys are tight, that's pretty high, right? And then, uh, <laughs> well, that's right. I just I missed that that's one, wild. honestly. Yeah. I missed and that then, one. Um, yeah, I'll find it. I'll find it. And then the other one is when you mentioned like COVID had you all doing your own things, you come back. But uh, the reviewers are saying, and I don't know your your body of work that well to say, you know, you came back with something to say regarding that too. You came back, some reviewers would say kind of a dark stream. And I know you're on a podcast called the Regeneration Podcast. And Michael and mm -hmm. I will talk about everything from gardening to I work for the Catholic Church and boy, you know, that needs a regeneration from the bottom up. Tabula rasa. You know, <laughs> yeah. burn, burn, burn the whole thing down. Um, Start again, we, <laughs> we talk a lot about the struggles of young people after COVID. I work at a college, the mental health crisis comes yeah. up a lot. Um, but uh, you even had, I don't think it was uh, on your album title, but you had a George Orwell quote coming, you know, with your self-titled album. Can you talk about that a little bit? I know that interests me tremendously. You know, what what was your experience? How did you guys define it? What did you do about it musically and even in your lyrics and the connection to say George Orwell and others? Um, well, just just on, on that, you know, the, the, the COVID side of it, the lockdown side of it. So I suppose what an awful lot of people did over that time was because we were home and people got quite insular and probably quite ruminative. Um, and there's a song on the album called Crosses um, and the idea for that came from, you know, 
for a time here in Dublin, we couldn't get outside a two kilometer radius of our houses. We weren't allowed. So we didn't. So for months, you were just seeing the same things all the time, all the time. And there's a route that I would take in the morning with, with the dog and I pass um, one of these little road crosses, you know, where somebody dies and they put a, put yeah. a cross on the road um, for this uh, girl called um, Juliet, who jumped off a bridge or sorry, didn't jump off a bridge. Sorry, she fell, fell off a bridge. Okay. Um, back 30 years ago and I passed this every day and noticed it every day and so I was having the same thought and from a mental health point of view when you're when you're not getting a lot of stimulation from outside and you're having you're having the same circular thoughts all the time it can be very corrosive mm -hmm. and so that's why I suppose it's very important for human beings to break out of that both geographically but also psychologically and seeing th that cross every morning it would tip me into a frame of mind a very sad frame of mind, yeah. appropriately given the circumstances. But yeah, absolutely. Um, but it got me to thinking about how when you're moving through your life in familiar spaces and you're constantly being reminded of maybe negative things that have happened because the geography reminds you of that and tips your thinking back into negative places again and again and again, and it can become a spiral. And I think maybe for a lot of people during lockdown, they might have experienced that because they didn't really get an opportunity to break out and have new new patterns of thinking. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the themes lyrically that I tried to explore through that song crosses, that idea of being geographically in the same loop and also psychologically. Yeah. Wow. And I see that also in your song, Bring Out Your Dead. Right. Exactly. I mean, it was there's a there's a darkness permeating some of those lyrics, which is appropriate. I mean, it's cathartic. Right. And because I saw the same thing, I've, I am a father of nine children, and uh, the last four single-handedly regenerated. But it was rough on those kids. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm a, and I'm a college professor, and man, I've never. I, ever, you're a super breeder. That's what they're called. <laughs> I'm a super thing. breeder. That's right. I was reading about this today. <laughs> I'm a super breeder. People, the world must be peopled. Exactly. Well, um, congratulations. I'm fighting demographic winter all by myself. Yeah. Oh. yeah. With the help of my wife. Um, yes. But uh, what else, what <laughs> with, a, with a shout out to my wife. <laughs> we'll shout yeah, out to Bonnie. What I'm saying is uh, that I saw the how hard it was on the young people around me. I know it was hard on me, but I, 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 it was easy for a grown up to push it off a little bit. But I saw such turmoil and fear in the young people around and my even a couple of my my own children but especially in the students in college who they're in masks and they're confined to their class into their dorms they can't leave any and it's just it was it was insane and once the masks finally came off mm. it was they all came back to life and a couple of them was teaching a course on romanticism and, and a couple of women in the class said yeah, we just lived through this and we're not doing this again. We want to live, you know, yeah. but, mm -hmm. so, but, I, but I think it's important. And I think it's interesting in, in, in your, your most, most recent album that you did, you took a lot of departures, not just um, in terms of subject matter and a little bit of the sound, but also in your approach to recording. Because mm. I think mm. there, and you have a drummer. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and some of that was to do with the fact that for the first time we 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 felt uh, we, we weren't allowed um, because we were saying before it was very very strict lockdown here, so we weren't allowed to be together in the studio. Do you know what I mean? You were allowed yeah. to go into the studio because you could sit for the only way you could people could meet work 
with the group was to say that you were it was in broadcasting so uh, we had to kind of get around it by saying, did we say we were making a documentary or That's something? Right. Yeah. So we had, had to, to film everything to film everything <laughs> to legitimize being there. And we, 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 but, but we had to keep all the musicians couldn't actually meet up. So we didn't get to rehearse with the band like we normally did, which was bad and good because it kind of freed us up because we didn't really need them to kind of look at everything just from a kind of a, a sort of a folk all together playing at the same time thing. We were like, and what, you know, well, what if we had horns there? We could record at different times because we had to record at different times because we couldn't be in the same room together. Um, well, we couldn't, but, you know, we did in certain things. But, you know, the drummer was in a different room. You know, we were all separated, wow. uh, things like that. So, you know, we recorded the horns and springs at a different time in a different studio. And so that kind of lent itself to it. So, so it added a different kind of... Um, aspect to the recording so in one way it was kind of restrictive but another way it was kind of the opposite of restrictive yeah and i and i think there's it's kind of liberating sometimes because you you know you get used to doing something in one way yeah and, and that's a lot, what a lot of the lock we have three kind of big i know no one wants to hear about covid but like we had three big lock, lockdowns and the first one was really cool we we're just talking about it was really sunny here which it never is mm -hmm. And uh, everyone was just outside barbecuing and we kind of stayed in the area. And, you know, it's OK. And you get to hang out with your family the whole time and blah, blah, blah. And then the second one was in winter and that was just awful. But we were recording the album at the time. Mm -hmm. So it kind of kept the same. And then the album just took longer and longer and longer to get out. And the record company kept putting off, releasing it and all this kind of thing. And the whole then, you know, as, as with everybody, then the, the, the whole pandemic stopped being a novelty and then just became this absolute kind of chore on things but it did make you look at things differently and i think it, it, it stuck with a lot of people you know they yeah people are people are still changing their lives yeah yeah <laughs> and, and certainly again like um in terms of the music when we were touring a lot of our songwriting would be influenced by the touring you know because we'd be in places particularly in the states and we would hear musicians play and we would see particular landscapes and we would hear stories and we come back full of all these ideas right uh, we didn't have any of that input um for two years we didn't tour so you know we both live in suburban dublin i mean it's lovely but it's it's not the rockies you know what i mean no. and so <laughs> trying to come up with you, you you just almost everything i think everything about the music was was influenced by that it was it was it was just all had to be much more insular we had to dredge it up from inside mm -hmm. rather than stimulus from the outside yeah. well, and, and i think i'm glad you mentioned touring in the state because usually from what i can tell you tour on, you could call the kind of the bluegrass folk circuit, right? Which mm -hmm. are mostly festivals, like during Merle Fest. Is it next week, a week after? Next week, yeah. Weekend, yeah. yeah. Next weekend. Which is beautiful. But those are, I mean, that's a beautiful kind of uh, venue. That People one? haven't Where's been to those festival? kind of, to North Carolina, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But but what happens at those festivals, it's it's a family atmosphere. It's it's yeah. It's hospitable to families being there. And it really becomes a kind of community where you, you know, there's a lot of picking between each other. I mean, I used to go to these when I was 18. <laughs> I was I was almost enlisted in Bill Crabtree and his Cherry Blossoms to be their lead singer and guitar player, but uh, I was not really a bluegrass guy, <laughs> so I, I I reneged. But uh, but but that's that's a wonderful thing. And for me, going to those festivals as eighteen year eighteen year old, I gave, it opened up my my ideas about what music could be. Yeah, you know, mm. and I saw saw so many great either traditional 
like bluegrass bands like Bill Monroe. Not did I see Bill Monroe? No, I saw Jimmy Martin. But I also saw um, um, David Grisman. And yeah. When he, had, when he had Stefan Grappelli, who was 90 almost. Yeah. So I'm seeing this, all this stuff and people feeding off each other. And yeah. I can imagine going from that kind of atmosphere to this, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, the insular kind of thing. Which, There's four which walls, a, yeah. And I think it's, uh, it, it shows in the music, it's a very different record from your earlier records for sure, right? It is, um, yeah. And so what, what are you writing now? Where, 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 where's your head now? We're writing, um, we're going back to brass tacks. Uh, what we're writing at the moment, we're not thinking about, literally not thinking about brass tacks, we're not thinking about any, anything <coughs> guitar and vocals at the moment. Um, and trying to write something quite simple and not to do the thing that we often do where we write something and go, you know, that's a bit too simple. Why don't we see if we can muss it up a bit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're, we're, we, we, we've, we've developed these, you know, for whatever, everybody, you know, it's philosophies about songwriting over the years. Mm. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's right or wrong. It's just, it's just what we do. And it's what we kind of, is, is that, you know, first of all, never be afraid of something because it's too simple. Mm -hmm. And okay. if it sounds good, then it is good. And the main thing is you gotta always gotta write something that sounds good to to you. You know, you can't ever think about anybody else. It has to be something that you want to listen to. It was the right. first, the first, the first thing that that you know, one of the reasons we started the band in the first place was just like it was a need to hear something that we didn't think we were hearing. It's not that we're saying we're the most original band in the world, but there was there was stuff out there where like, you know, you'd, you'd go, why don't they just do this? Why do they have to keep doing that? And they go, well, we're just going to do it ourselves. You know I mean? uh, now, that's probably, it's, it's, and I don't mean to sound arrogant. It's not like that. Yeah, it was true. just a kind of a need. It was like to scratch an itch, you know? Yeah. Well, actually, um, do you know, Gillian Welsh said something similar. I remember reading an interview with her and she said about her songwriting, she said, yeah, there was just stuff I wanted to hear on the radio and I wasn't hearing it. So I said, yeah. I'm going to write it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, true. yeah, yeah, yeah. it's true. It's true. I always tell like young writers and, musicians that's the holy spirit telling you it's it's your job right true yeah. I mean, it's, also, it's like the little places here the okay. grand design the difference between let's say i'm just i'm a teenager and uh, mm -hmm. there's a i think a universe between a teenager who says i'm just trying to be different and a teenager mm -hmm. who says i'm trying to be myself right so mm -hmm. when you just try to be different you might have some success for a little while but eventually mm -hmm. everybody's going to look like you but you know, the much harder journey, and it sounds like this was your evolution too, especially when you said, I wanted to think, uh, I wanted to write things that I like. That's the same mm, yeah. thing. Writers would certainly find that same thing from the most personal to the most yeah. universal, really, yeah. right? But that's a, that's a, a struggle everybody's going to have. But right now, it seems like there's very few people who are doing what you do to go and just be the most personal. Everybody's trying to be different. Ergo, everybody sounds the same, you know, mm -hmm. and, and everybody's yeah. certainly an exaggeration, but I'm thinking yeah. of something I know better, like writing, you know? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, <clears throat> here's a question. Now, now wait, but wait, by the way, which of you is the elder? Yeah, I am. I'm curious too. You are, okay. Yeah. And at some point, tell us a little bit about your relationship. <laughs> I get along with my brothers and sister. I got a one brother, one sister. We could never do what you're doing. My, my <laughs> My sister did the logo for the regeneration thing, but it was like pulling teeth. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's very artsy. Yeah. I have to write her. It's all through emails. Uh, 
Uh, there's there's two years between us, and um, uh, I think a few years ago I tried doing something with my brother. We have one other brother, and that didn't work at all. So it's okay. it's it's uh, it was just a, he's little, a great musician. He is just very different style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I guess we we we. Uh, as I say, we've just kind of developed uh, a way to do it. We're very good at, I don't know if we're very good at it, but we're very good at compartmentalizing it. Like we live quite close to each other. And um, when we're with each other and we're doing band stuff, we talk about the band. But when we're not doing stuff with the band, we don't really talk about the band. Yeah, it kind of can come up. But, you know, after, you know, years and years of doing it, there's a kind of a, there's definitely an ease to it. We We've always you know we've always got on we've always been very close so it's not it's not um there's no kind of friction there like that's easy enough uh we have a way of doing things uh you know we could probably be a lot more proactive maybe if we were doing it as much as we should have been doing maybe it would have gone worse but we tend to like you know we've always been very much you know you know we don't do this full time we try and um you know we we get away to tour in the states you know, before the pandemic, we're kind of getting up and running again. We were going over about three or four times a year. Uh, we're, we have a few this year, but um, we were previously doing it just kind of over the holiday periods uh, because our bass player is, is a secondary school teacher. And that's the way it was working. Now we're going over a bit more using using uh, musicians over there as well. Uh but um, sorry, I'm digressing in the wrong direction. Yeah, you're not yes. answering the question. But it's all fascinating. But it's fascinating. That was your opportunity. Yeah, yeah. This, I'm supposed to be saying how it's just she's she's <laughs> making the whole thing easy. I keep <laughs> flying off the handle. And she's like, oh, I'll just deal with him. <laughs> no, no. <clears throat> you mentioned your brother is a musician as well. Now, do you come from a musical family? Well, we do now, <laughs> but not yeah. before that. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. My parents are. Uh, They're big uh, fans of music. They like music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but they don't. Um, they 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 don't tend to. We did look up look it up there recently, and I think we found some somebody who was in the army band in Dublin, a holder, okay. right. back a couple of generations. And I think there's not that many holdens in Ireland, and the name is from Kilkenny. And it looked like it was, but uh, other than that, my, my parents wouldn't be that musical. They're not unmusical, but they're not they they're not. They don't have like as, as it was funny like as um our brother lives in Austin in Texas. It's been there for about ten years, and uh, for us it was just it's just what we've always done. We we just don't there isn't there isn't really an option. Right. No, not did, to do it. How, well, how did you pick it up then? Um, you know, we we were always very into you know listening to music. I suppose everybody is when you're that age, but we were pretty passionate about it. Lou got into got a guitar. She started showing me a couple of things. I got into it. I was very. You were always into singing um, in school and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I was just got mad into guitar and then just was joining bands in school. Hmm. And I just have always been playing in bands really since I've been about fourteen years old. Yeah, um, and I suppose from my perspective, yeah, I mean, I always loved to sing, but um. A bit like yourself, I come from an, an English background. I did my undergraduate degree in English and I've always written a lot. I've always written poetry and short stories and plays and different things. Um, but once I got into lyric writing, I realised, OK, this is the discipline I really enjoy for writing because it's just it's that just that it's that discipline it's it's like it, there's there's a shape that you have got to fill the shape it can't mm -hmm. just go off you can't go outside the lines 
right. it needs to work with the music it has to work with the music it has to work rhythmically and in a, in a weird way like on the lyric writing side I mean you mentioned grand designs earlier on I often do feel like I don't feel I don't believe this it's not a credo but it does kind of guide passively the way that I write I always feel there is a solution it's like a, it's like a the song is already out there but we have to find it yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. yeah. yeah. You know? we always say that when we're trying to try yeah. to make it on musically and lyrically it, mm. it's very like um I don't want to sound too grandiose but the whole thing but it's like sculpting yeah. And there's a block and the thing's in there and you're trying to chip away the bits until yeah. you get to it. Now, I'm not sure that we've ever, you, you know, success in terms of us in a song is, is you know, not how well it does and stuff. It's always like when you're like, OK, that that works. And, you know, I, I can never really tell that till a couple of years afterwards because mm -hmm. it's very hard because you've got to be very, very um, ruthless in what you cut away and yes. what you leave off and you know yeah, um, we've jettisoned a lot of songs over the years we have yeah, yeah. an awful lot of songs and yeah. uh, it, it it is that kind of idea of just getting a nice melody and then you might have some bit that's going into something really cool and dear for instance you've written a verse and we're just like we just can't go there there's just no room for it and blah 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 and we've got better at throwing those bits out mm -hmm. and we've got better at at not um um just just I mean, I, I what I what I personally like to do when we start getting into writing again is just be a little um, a little easy on yourself and go into it and go, especially at the start, because, you know, we're all saying it's very like a muscle. You're going to if you don't do it a lot, it's not going to be good. You have to do it a bunch of times. Mm. So when you start again, you have to be prepared it's where most people fall off. It's why most people, you know, because if you enjoy, if you enjoy writing songs and you need to, you write songs, it's because you have to write songs. It's not because you're, you know, you're doing it for some other reason. It's just because it's something that you have to do. And, you know, we're, we're long enough now doing it now that what we get back into it, you need to write five or six bad songs, mm. just throw them out and then keep going. And then at that stage, you just go, you know, and whether they're bad or not, you might still like them or stuff like that. But that's to me what it is because, you know, without getting, you know, too much into it, although that seems to be what you want. Uh, well, uh, well, you know, it's you're, you're never happier than when you're, you know, the, 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 you know, the key to happy life, I think, is, is you, you need to be kind of working out some puzzle in your head. Yeah, constantly. need something on the ball. Yeah. You know what I mean? Otherwise, <laughs> you, you start looking in, inward. And if you're uh, going around, when you, when you finish a song, it's almost a little bit sad because, you know, yeah. that's it and that's there, where it's nice to just have it sitting there. And the possibilities of it being this, you know, this really nice little thing that's there. So that always, that's what keeps, like as soon as, as soon as we started writing again, I have a little bit of a lift yeah. because you're just kind of thinking about it and you're going, okay, this and blah, blah, blah. And it's fragments of bits of songs in your head that you're working on and you don't I know what they what you are. Said, I think what you said about, uh, you know, to live a happy life. First of all, you're both authentic witnesses to a happy life. And that's, uh, <laughs> that's few and far and then when you said the key to happy life is always trying to be figuring something out in your head, you know, yeah. that's a, that's a take. I mean, that's a takeaway. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And uh, the, it almost makes me think too, that, you know, we had mentioned, and I'm not trying to bring us back to COVID in any way, shape or form. I'm serious, but the um, I'm always trying to figure out people ask me students and my wife, I'm just trying to figure out like what's going on <laughs> in one sense, like in a, at a cosmic <laughs> level, like, where are you? That's the first line. And, you know, that uh, God yeah. says to Adam in Genesis, like, where are you? I don't think I've yeah. ever gotten beyond that question. Like, and so yeah. my whole, I wake up in the morning and people wonder, because uh, a lot of what I think is going on is very dark, but I have a pretty cheerful disposition. 
And you probably helped me describe it to other people that I'm always trying to figure something out in my head. And <laughs> if, if the way I'm connecting it is it involves like people doing bad things to other people, I'm not happy about that. But I've lived a very happy life because I wake up every morning interested in something, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, know? you gotta have an interest, uh, you know, yeah. and whatever it is, I think, you know, that's what keeps people focused. It could and, be anything. And one other question to an outsider, you know, and Michael, you would have your own artistic process, but you had mentioned like, you know, you're writing and you write enough for an album, very heroic that if you, you say you write five bad songs till you get back into it. If you're writing an <clears throat> album and you're, you know, the mojo is working and you finish, do you just keep going or do you just lay it down and know that when you pick it up again, it just takes a while to get those muscles working? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you see the, 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 the there's a kind of, um, um, like a, not, there's a process to it when you're doing an album where you, you start writing songs, they slowly form, it, usually not for the last album, previously you, you'd, you'd kind of tour the song, some of the newer ones. And then, you know, you'd start thinking about rehearsing and then you'd start going into the, the studio, you play them over and over and over again, you do that and you've stopped writing at that point because you can't keep writing while you're trying to okay. record, it just doesn't work. Yeah. And then you, your head's in that kind of more technical stage. And by the end of that, you definitely don't feel like writing for a little while, um, I find. And that then you a lot. Yeah, you kind of stop. evident to you, Michael. I'm sure you've had that. You know, music recording is different than writing for that that technical piece, but the technical piece would be editing. You know, I suppose. Yeah, or... yeah exactly. And it's exhausting recording. It's, it's exhausting. It's, it's not. Yeah. It's not very pleasant, to be honest. No, I don't some, enjoy that at all. The the, the 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 early parts. It's good. The planning and all the rest, and you know, the mixing can be fun. But like, you know. I would defy anybody to say that they're completely happy with anything they've well, created. It's made it easier for you guys because you don't make mistakes, according to the reviewers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that was the, the biggest shock to my system when we were. Yeah. By the way, we, you know, we're not saying that we don't make mistakes. No, no. I saw it. I read it. <laughs> I trust this guy. You guys don't make mistakes. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I, so, I make plenty of mistakes. I made about so I was 18 and I went today. into the studio for the first time. Mm -hmm. I was shocked at what a drag it is. Mm. All this waiting around. Oh, waiting yeah, you would think it would be exciting if you're. That, yeah. You know, yeah. by the time you get to record, you. Um, I just want to go home. But it's very hard to keep the energy up, and also when you're when you're when you're writing the song, everything is in your control. When you're recording the song, it feels like nothing is in your control anymore, yeah. and you have this idea in your head about where you want it to go, but getting no. there can just seem like I don't know, very very tough. Now, have you produced your own albums? The last album, we, we kind of would semi-produce the albums. The last album, our fiddle player is a very competent studio wizard. So he basically, we went up to a studio up in um, the Dublin mountains and did it up there. And he essentially engineered it. And then we kind of produced it together. It's Adrian uh, Harch. Yeah. Adrian Harch, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we generally do, we kind of know what sound we want. I mean, you see the previous albums, a lot of them were just like, sit, we would record them live, you know. Um, so we'd know ex we'd go in and if we're using an engineer we'd know exactly what we wanted to, to sound like mm -hmm. but again it's always that we're always chasing that particular sound I mean I, I a lot of it we we, we when, when you record separately uh, you have a lot more control over that but the kind of the you, you, you can miss out on some of that kind of live energy sometimes like yeah, that and it's, it's very true I mean so um, for instance um, your song Swans the, mm. the video is fantastic, by the way. 
Oh, oh yeah. Thanks. And by the way, I, w- I I've been sitting all week. You know, I'm gonna. How's he playing it? I'll, I'll take off the guitar and I'll start copping your licks. But uh, <laughs> now that was recorded live, right? Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it wasn't recorded live for the video. It couldn't have been. It was. Yes. Yeah. Was it really? How'd you pull that off? Um, we had little. Uh, we had a basically that that was directed by a uh, Hugh O'Connor, yeah. a friend of ours, who's quite a well-known actor here and director. And um, is that the, we the had... Game of Thrones guy? No, that's Aidan Gill. No, okay. Hugh O'Connor was in a movie called. Did you ever see a movie called My Left Foot? I saw it within the he's, last two months. Yeah. Who's he oh, yeah. He's, he plays the child. He he's the, the child. He's in Chocolat and Three Musketeers. And yeah, you know, you know him as an adult too. He's been in, yeah. he's been in a book. But he doesn't act as much anymore. He more yeah. directs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Anyway, him, but he had a um, uh, sound guy that he often uses called Hugh. Hugh. Somebody, mm-hmm. it was a number of years ago, that video now. But um, he, they had little clip-on mics, and they they put a lot That's of work. Because I, I was watching, where the, where the microphones are? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're there, and you know, uh, the, the, I suppose the hard part was all the motion, like we were kind of climbing yeah. over. You know, it's rooting. not easy to play the guitar and walk up a hill at the same time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It was easier back then because it was ten years ago. <laughs> I probably couldn't do it now. Can I can I ask you a question about um, you know, if uh. The, the basic thing to an outsider, they're going to say, you know, that uh, I draw slow, you know, one of their one of their geniuses, and there's many, is this kind of blend between kind of a Celtic tradition and Appalachian. And uh, Michael and I, a big part of the show uh, is reconnecting to the land. You know, Mike's a farmer, um, reconnecting to our bodies, you know, this whole notion that, um, you know, we see ourselves as computers, you know, uh, the whole left brain aspect of the world, the, the technocracy and so forth, you know, uh, do you think so? There's there's Celtic music traditions and Appalachian music traditions. Do you think your your music has been influenced directly, especially uh, on this side of the pond in Appalachia? You know, what is your connection to those cities? You know, we might say Nashville in particular. And do you think you've been influenced by the land itself, or really just um, you know the, the music that comes you know that preceded you? Some of these some of these roots you picked from the music, or tell us a little bit about what you found between the Celtic tradition and the traditions you found here in the East Coast of the US, in the mountains yes. and so forth. Uh, I mean, the funny thing is, and I know it sounds weird, is that we feel a bit more uh, um, informed, is that the word, about the Appalachian than we do about the Irish. And we, we were, it's not that, that we'd listen to a lot of Irish music, um, we've never really played it professionally. You know, you would play it, you know, in bits and things here, here and there. Same you know, songs in the club, yeah. Um, but, but, but not so much professionally. Adrian has the fiddle player, but he's from England. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's not actually, yeah. uh, but he wouldn't like me saying that. Yeah. But the, the the we we have um, so you know when we first went over when we first put out the 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 got signed up to the label. Pinecastle and went over we were off to go over to North Carolina and then down to Nashville I mean for us that was like it was like you know, I don't know it was like being into mad into western movies and then someone mm-hmm. going come over here and direct a western in mm-hmm. you know Arizona or whatever well Italy probably it's, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but the point like it was absolutely incredible I mean, it, it, and 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 
it, it does. So there's, there's particular parts of America that we keep going back to. North Carolina being one of them. We've been there a bunch of, where are you guys based, by the way? Now, uh, north of Lancaster County. So I live in uh, western New York, south of Rochester, a little oh, yeah. east of yeah. Buffalo. The Finger Lakes yeah. region, it's called. The Finger Lakes region. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And the Grassroots Festival would be big there. I'm in Michigan. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Which? Yeah, I'm in Michigan near Ann Arbor. Michigan. Oh, What's great, your great. big, Michael, what would be your big folk festival? I mentioned the Grassroots Festival in Ithaca. Oh, uh, well, there's a big folk, well, I shouldn't say big. There's a folk venue in Ann Arbor called The Ark. I don't know if you played there. Yeah, I do. Actually, do you know what? We were we were supposed to be there last January. Oh. We had we had a tour a semi-booked in um uh around the Midwest. That's the Midwest, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Around the Midwest. And we were going to be going to Ann Arbor and a couple of different places. Um we played in Ithaca a few times. Okay. I would think you'd be a hit there. You know, Ithaca is yeah. an hour and a half for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we've also played. Is it uh, Gray Fox? Is that near enough that's, to there a few times? That's uh, you know the Oak, city associated with uh... Oak Oak Hill. It's up. It's up near. Is it? Is it near enough? Not too far from Woodstock. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. It is Gray yep. Fox. Yeah. Gray mm-hmm. Fox. It's in Oak Gray Hill, Fox. which is near to. I don't it's know. Kind of the, all... Yeah, it's the Hudson River uh, Catskills region of New York. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 And yes. then um, we've also, uh, what's that cool venue that we've played in a couple of times? Cafe Lena, is it? Yeah. In, uh, what's the name of that? Town? It's not in Buffalo. It's near Buffalo, though. Uh, Darn. Cafe, I can't remember. Cafe Lena, L I N A? L E N A. L E N A. It's a very kind of historic folk of the kind of folk boom in the 60s. It's the only one of those coffee houses that's still around. Hmm. It's in, oh my God. Saratoga Springs. Yeah. I know it very well. Yeah, I've never been to that venue. I know it very well. Sure. Yeah, you're yeah, close by. Dylan I'll be able right to, I'll be able to catch you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that All, we'll all of those venues are quite close to me in one sense. Or I have yeah, friends okay. that live in my yeah, Cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, just sorry, just to get back to your question. Yeah, yeah. When we when we first started going to the states, we were very um, influenced by the sort of the feedback loop of the music that we were writing, and then going to the place you know where that had influenced it. But really, in terms of the land influencing our writing, that happened. You know, more. Um, with a lot more clarity when we went to New Mexico, Colorado, because yeah. those landscapes were so dramatically different from anything that we had experienced either here in Ireland or in the East Coast of mm. the States. Um, and we did that. We did kind of get thrown for a loop when we when we saw those landscapes and we briefly culturally appropriated for uh, for this particular song <laughs> called Maria. Uh, it's on our third third album, my fourth album. Maria. Um, okay. Yeah, and that was very much. We looked at that landscape and Wright said, "Okay, we have to write for how we're feeling yeah. right now." Landscape. Yeah, because I mean, like sure. the, the the Appalachians are beautiful and the East Coast is beautiful, but it's it's, it's quite Irish in feel. Some of us mm, very green, uh, yeah. but like when like, Irish, you know, yeah. Mm. yeah, but the, the the desert is like it's like the complete polar polar opposite. <laughs> it's the complete opposite of Ireland. It's just yeah, like you got, you're sitting there. Where's it going? Well, I remember going there and I was just going, I've never seen anything like this. It's just, just and it, the people are so different. Uh, the whole Irish thing doesn't matter in a good way, you know, mm. because we get, when, when you go further west, that'll, you know, when, when you're when you're anywhere in the east, and I know the Midwest as well, and 
all that thing. I, 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 Ireland just chimes with everybody. They just say, Ireland, Ireland. But further west you go, the less people care. And it's kind of, for us, it was kind of a little... That's funny. That's almost, almost refreshing. It got us out of the Irish culture thing and into something very, very different, yeah. And even, you know, you mentioned that song, My Portion, like the, the, the brass that we used on that towards the end, that sort of slightly mariachi almost. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. that all came out of that, Landscape yeah. New Mexican yeah. car album. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 In fact, I when I first heard it, by the way, tell your record company it is not the new album that you first introduced brass on. I think it says that in the promotion. <laughs> no, it was Wait not. A minute. No, no. And they released that album too. No, so you think they know? It, was, hey, it was Turn Your Face to the Sun, and that album was yeah written after we'd spent quite a bit of time in New Mexico and in Taos, in particular, beautiful part of the world, um, and all around Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so until you know, in winding down, um, uh, I'm just interested in seeing. Now, now you two write most of the most of the songs for the band. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. All of them. Yeah. All of them. So, how? <laughs> what's your like process at, at writing songs? What is your process at writing songs? Um, generally speaking, uh, Dave will have uh, a melody. Uh, idea and a, and, a, and a guitar idea and often a lyric um, and then we'll get together and we'll have a listen to it and then I'll take it away and have a think about it and start thinking thematically about how we might grow from that lyric like often you have a line mm -hmm. and that line very often is the one because it will you, you, you think very rhythmically so you will have a line that sits perfectly where it's supposed to sit so but it's great for me because it gives me the german and i can kind of grow yeah. the story around that mm. um and then we come back and we look at arrangements and we try different things and that's yeah and we we kind of will will we'll have a few different ones we'll just we'll basically keep a couple of pots boiling you know yeah. um and we'll try and go and because you don't really know where where they're kind of going to go like you know we we there was for instance like last week when we start we got together again there was a song from, and this one had been around for a while but it was just basically it had um in something i wrote ages ago but it just my um i i like everyone else i you know all my songs are on my iphone the kind of memos thing and i have a 12 year old daughter who uh last year had one of those uh little eye touch things you know like the not the phones but the kind of the music player ones but it has apps and stuff like that and um, she went in, she was sharing the same thing and deleted about a thousand voice memos <laughs> going back probably 15, wow. 20 of all wow, various wow. songs. Yeah. And I was pretty heartbroken, I have to say. I took it very badly, uh, but um, I uh, didn't let on to her because it was an honest mistake. And I didn't want her to know the gravity <laughs> of <laughs> how I define myself and all these other things she doesn't need to know about my psychology. <laughs> but, how so, I define myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I basically, uh, uh, I she, did, I went, she didn't right, need right, to right, know right, that yeah. she took my soul, took it out, <laughs> put it in a blender, yeah. then poured yeah. it out in the ground, and then stamped on it repeatedly. Yeah, about this, she's done that about loads of other things, but about this specific thing. Yeah. But anyway, so so she went basically did that now. But uh, uh, so I was going, God, is there anything? I said, but you know what? If I was going to use them, they would have been used. So whatever, and fine. Because uh, sometimes if I ever got a bit stuck, I'd just go back over things, you know. Yeah. And um, 
but this one particular melody, which was very, very simple and stuck in my head. And sometimes it's that, a melody from ages ago going, that doesn't leave my head. And if it doesn't leave my head, there must be a reason it doesn't leave my head. It's because I find it catchy. And if, you know, again, going back to the idea, if it's something you want to hear, mm-hmm. you know, then then that's what it is. If it's out there and it wants to be found. Yeah, it's out there. Right. You know, it's, you know, uh, uh, like I say, and you know, doing things creative, it's it's really for yourself more than anything else. You do it, and if people latch onto it, that's great. I mean, we've been lucky in that, you know, none of it, we have we haven't had any like hits per se, anything like that. But the music does seem to really, really connect with people in a really kind of. That's what we always notice, especially in the states. We we have these kind of um, very loyal people that come to the gigs, and they'll come mm. from all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've a gig in Asheville now next week, and there's people flying in from here and there and here and there because we're not over there that often and it's usually based on and this sounds kind of obvious but it's based on the songs you know some songs particularly portion seems to resonate with chime with a lot of people portion um, portion my portion, my portion yeah. yeah it seems to just there's a lot of people that just seem to get a lot out of it you know given the subject <clears> matter <throat> um it seems to um so uh, you know you, you you should do these things, I guess, for the right reasons. Do them because you want to do them, and they're the right thing to do. But it does help when people go. Um, you did something that I really like, you know. But it is it is about that connection. I keep forgetting what the question was. Sorry, I keep rambling. Oh, about the songwriting process. Oh, yeah, about the songwriting yeah, yeah, yeah. process. So yeah. you know, that's what we're trying to do. We're 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 always trying to kind of um, have a couple of songs in our back pocket. I'll I'll kind of have a, have an idea of things that I'm working on when I start feeling like it again. I'll give Lou the call. We start to do it. We set up a weekly session. Mm-hmm. Whether we stick to it or not, we go, because you need to be doing it all the time. We should probably be doing more than weekly, but we kind of, you know, there's there's other things going on in life. We'll get together and we'll build up a body of things. We'll go back over them. And if something is just absolutely banging our heads against the wall, we we'll go like, forget about it. Just jettison mm-hmm. it because it just wastes time. You're better off starting something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what's that's what's kind of worked for us in terms of our process. Mm-hmm um we find it it the important thing is to have like a kind of a good um kind of uh throughput as you say over there mm-hmm. kind of, you know there's just things just keep moving because that way you get a lot of stuff and you're more likely it's like sifting for you know precious things and whatever you're just going going to keep putting through stuff yeah. and eventually go okay like that like that like that like that and sometimes they don't match up and doing things like you know not getting hung up on it sounding like someone else you know, and like, oh, there's no point. And, and then finishing songs, you know? Yeah. Whether they're good, because the mistake I think people often make when they try want to write songs and they can't get into it is that they, they have a song that they like and they're writing it for like seven years mm-hmm. in their head. Mm-hmm. And they go, I just can't finish it. And I'm like, well, just don't finish it then. Move on to something Move else. On, because yeah. You're, yeah, like, yeah. you're better off having yeah. 10 bad songs finished than having one song, good song that's not finished at all. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah and the thing is, and I've said this recently to uh, my daughter is 16 and she's a songwriter and she has been writing songs since she was about 12. And at various stages, she was getting <laughs> frustrated with the process because she couldn't write to a standard that she felt she wanted to get to. And, you know, just based on our experience, I was saying to her that every song you write is part of the process of writing that great song. Yeah. Every single one of them, doesn't matter how crap you think they are, mm-hmm. you got to keep going because eventually you're going to get there and you're going to hit something. And so never think of, oh, I'm getting so frustrated with this process because I'm not writing something I like. That is part of the process. It really is. It is, you know what it I mean? is indeed. Yeah. So for yeah. me, for instance, when... 
So I had I was writing songs with my best friend as a teenager. We I bet we wrote three hundred songs. Mm-hmm. Three of them were really good. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. But yeah. the thing is, then we we started off when we were about fourteen, and then we were twenty two. We were still writing songs together. But when we got to that point, it was like, you know, we we I realized we had doing been doing a seven year apprenticeship. You know, we had mm-hmm. we had learning. You know. How to sweep the floor of the office and and how to cut corners and, th- and do all the sure. things you were doing in an apprenticeship. Yes, yes, yeah. And then, oh yeah, then it arrived, and then okay, <laughs> and then it, it was like a whole different world opened up at twenty two. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you think I've cracked it, and then you go write the next one. You go, oh, that's terrible. Oh, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can still write crappy over. songs, but but you, but you <laughs> exactly. acquired something different. Yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, I don't want to hearing hearing you guys talk made me a. Uh, um, my daughter made me a thing when she was really small. It's a quote from G.K. Oh. Chesterton, but it said, angels can fly because they take themselves so lightly. And I think your artistic <laughs> process, your artistic process uh, reminded me of that. And, you know, even when you, Dave, use the word throughput, that maybe it's your relationship too, but like everything you guys said to an outsider just reeked of authenticity, Absolutely. you know, with the artistic process. And I think, you know, that the, uh, the spirit whatever it is, kind of stays close with you, probably because you do find it so easy to jettison and uh, not take yourselves too seriously. Even when you mentioned hits, you know, Mike said he wrote 50,000 songs had two hits. You just said it so cavalierly. And you smiled when you said it. There was no exactly. resentment in your voice. Yeah. yeah. No one can ever accuse us of taking ourselves too seriously. No, yeah. no right. That's very apparent. That's very apparent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that isn't that, obviously that's an Irish thing, but it's also you. It's it 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 is a thing with with musicians. Yeah, they tend to think a lot of the time that they are, um, you know, you know, they're doing something very, very serious, and they very are. Important. They are in a lot of ways, but like you know, when people, you know when people kind of go like, you know, how did you write that? You know, oh, well, I'm a vessel. You go, you're not a vessel. <laughs> you're a vessel. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, there's no, like, what well, Dave was talking earlier on about how important it is for your for your mental health to have something going, yeah. something going on. And sometimes, you know, we as humans tend to think, you know, am I doing things that are important enough in this world? Am I, am I solving major problems? But yeah, really, yeah. writing a song in many ways is just as important as, you know, checking to see whether your rhubarb has sprouted or, you know, researching the cure for cancer. Now, maybe that's not the best example because that genuinely is more important. So I'm trying to think of a better one. Oh, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, no I, it, I think... and it is, it is genuine. I and mean, we have, uh, like, as I say, when someone goes, oh, look, this got me through this struggle. And you were like, oh, wow, I didn't realize. It that has, that has been a feature. Oh, you know sure. I mean? that's what that yeah. There is value in it. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, we're doing it because we because we want to and we have to and all the rest. But you know, occasionally it does mean it really means things to people, and and that does make it feel worthwhile. And then when you don't do it for a while, I mean, we've been kind of as I said, we haven't been doing much the last while. Well, we have this tour coming up, and we're kind of quite lazy when there's not going on. We've been doing you know bits in Ireland and stuff. And then you're like, what? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And then you start writing again, and going, oh, that's what was wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but I yeah. think even more importantly, I think. And, and I've written philosophical texts about this, but what happens, I think, with the arts, and, and we, it's why, and it's, and the thing is, when you have the, with the arts, with sometimes 
things are not really authentic and they're served up as if they were when people make a big deal about them but things that are authentic like your music or you know some the poetry i love what happens is we as audience to those things we connect with it i mean in such a personal way i mean i mean believe it or not i mean after listening to your music saturating myself for the last few weeks in your music and i felt like i feel like i know you and then I'm talking to you, and I actually, I think my intuition was, my intuition was exactly right. Oh, great. Oh, wow, like great. I know you. <laughs> But I think we have that experience with, with the music we love and with the, with the poetry or literature that we love. You feel like you know the person. Yeah. And yeah, then absolutely. sometimes something, and this is Simone Weil wrote about this. We talked about it last week on our show. Simone Weil mentioned her encounter with this poem by George Herbert, where she thought Christ came down and took possession of her through her experience with this, because I think something, and I think it is a spiritual or or divine kind of thing that can be translated through music and, and the arts that adds um, enthusiasm for life at the very least in the, in the, in the audience for the, the, the reception of it. You know, and I think that's what I get from your music is it, it, it bestows a kind of uh, vitality or hope, even with the song is depressing, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. with the lighthouse, the girl of the lighthouse. Yeah, the lighthouse story. Song, yeah. Beautiful, oh my God. But, but Roma, you know, it's kind of, a, it's uh, steeped in romanticism of that kind, which in romanticism is, is, a, is an affirmation that life means something, even though it's difficult. Mm -hmm. You guys are so likable, you know, that now knowing you more, you know, that it's going to make my like a deeper dive into your music. Just <laughs> yeah, I'm it's just so great. desirous. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, love it so great. much. No, I mean, and that connection part is, 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 is real. Uh, yeah. in, in, it, it, uh, happily now it's two way because we've had this conversation, but I have had this experience with it with another artist. And I won't mention her name because um because you know it doesn't cover me in glory and she'd probably be embarrassed. But I listened to her album. Um I had met her at a festival and then I listened to her album uh religiously uh while I was going through a very difficult period. And I didn't know the woman very well at all because I only met her once, but because I had met her and then was listening to her music, I in my mind her lyrics had become very connected with my situation and one particular night when I was feeling very low and I was pretty drunk I emailed her <laughs> and I emailed her and obviously the tone of my email sounded like it was like we'd been having a conversation was clearly we hadn't and she got back to me and she was bewildered she was very warm and lovely about it but she was bewildered and I and then when I saw it the next day I was like oh my god I'm so sorry yeah I just <laughs> that was the conversation that was happening between me and your album not between me and you <laughs> you know so yeah it is it's, it's very personal and it can get I did deep. that once and I can name the artist because uh you know Michael <laughs> and I met I read a book he wrote on uh, a theological tradition called sophiology and I read it yes, and I, was, I thought this guy's funny this guy's funny and I wrote a review and I could have yeah. uh, and then he, we got connected over that and I've met many other people and then I work at a college and I tell them of my experience like reading people and getting so moved by them that when somebody sees the world in a way that's similar enough to yours but opens it, it's literally mind-blowing. It's the definition of mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. So uh, countless friends of mine have been through works of, uh, gosh, art and so forth. But uh, similarly, one night kind of drunk, I wrote to John Popper, Blues Traveler, 
<laughs> about and? something, and I never heard back. And uh, <laughs> but I also I also looked at it. But uh, the basic ones, you know, I just I send a note of appreciation, and that that person might feel understood too, you know, because you. Um, and so you know, I resonated with everything you said. Everything you said. Yeah. That explains that email I didn't get back from Kate Bush. But anyway. <laughs> I wouldn't so say anyway. she responds to a lot of emails, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. email to Kate Bush. That's a great uh, story, Louise, that you told. That's a great story. <laughs> so um, to finish up. Yeah. Um, we're, we're so thankful that, that you yes. came to have this conversation with us. And um, that was lots of fun. Now, how, how long is your tour in the States coming up here? Uh, we're over, we're, we're over for about a week, just over a week. Yeah. Over a week. And uh, well, I wish you all the best in that tour. Yeah, that you guys would suffer the horrors of air travel for a week, right? The last time I flew internationally, I said, if I'm ever going to fly internationally again, I know it's an ordeal. We're coming up, being a bit easier, and it's coming over a day early, so we can kind of go to the festival and stuff like that. So we'll get a bit of time, and we're 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 used to it at this stage. If one question, a procedural question, if you you had mentioned my portion. Uh, you know, if I link to say three songs, when we put this up on YouTube and in, uh, on the podcast, do you have other ones that you would like? Um, you know, our demographic is kind of spiritual seekers, probably. Uh, people okay. looking at kids. Uh, are there any? Let's uh, three that you would like to for me to just have direct links to, and I can find them online. Um, well, Swans is a very spiritual song. Okay. Um, it is about you know patterns over thousands and thousands of years and things repeating themselves and, and ideas of mortality and all that kind of thing. Um, portion. Portion yes. obviously portion. Is, 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 has, has a very spiritual dimension, even though it, has, it is on the subject of, of, of addiction, but it's to do with kind of reaching out for something bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think, I mean, there's a spiritual dimension to a lot of our music. I mean, I suppose classes the one I mentioned. Um, yeah, let's do crosses because we talked about it too, Luis. Let's do crosses. Yeah. 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 And um, this this will lead them into the whole corpus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Unless there's anything else, Jason. No, I mean it's not spiritual, but there's a about a bird in an airport terminal. We have a nice new video that we did that. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. We'll review like that one. Um, and I, Michael Martin, are you aware that you have the same name as our last Taoiseach? Michael Martin. Yeah. I am aware of that. Okay. Are you also aware has anyone ever told you that you sound very like Alan Alda? So somebody did tell me I look like Donald, what's his name? Donald uh Oh, I know. Yeah, Donald Sutherland. In the Cash Cloud Busting video. Right. Oh yeah, yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, take that. Michael Martin sounds like Alan Alda. That's funny. Yeah, I I see it. I get it. I get it. I hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Seventh season on MASH. But yeah. Yeah. Well, how about this? Sometime, Michael, when you guys are in the area, sometime between Michigan and upstate New York, or maybe you're just yeah. close to me, Michael can make the trip, but we'd love to meet you guys in person sometimes. We'll come see you. Yeah. You can stay at my farm and we'll we'll pick in in the barn. Oh, yeah, wow, that yeah. sounds amazing. Which we do a lot, and oh, uh, that be wonderful. In fact, um, speaking of that, by, <laughs> this is a little commercial here. So for the next, to, for the rest of this month, anybody who uh, subscribes to my Substack gives a paid subscription will get a free copy of our theme music from oh, cool. uh, 
we have our bumper music because it's two night road. Uh, uh, cool. But it's the it whole, whole format. So somebody actually somebody emailed me this week asking for if it was on Spotify, and I can't believe it's not, but it's not. So I'm going direct to the customer. All right. Wait, oh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Well, thank you so much. Um, thank you. Uh, I, I want to rename your band. Uh, I, I draw, uh, but no, I want to add, I want to add to the name that I don't make mistakes, right? I don't make mistakes. <laughs> yeah. I love this. I don't, <laughs> I don't make mistakes. Maybe just for shits and giggles, if I find that review in that line, I'll just send it to you in email. See, like I'm not yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. This is great. Thank you so much for joining us, Dave and Louise. Uh, and uh, every, thanks everybody for listening to the region.